Welcome to The Generalist, a podcast of Canadian occupational therapy perspectives. I'm your host, Jen Taubenzay. Today I'm chatting with Philip Wendt about his survival guide to starting out, connecting to the larger OT community, and some hot topics, including diversity in the profession and incorporating physical activity into daily practice. Philip is a registered occupational therapist holding a BSOT from University of Wisconsin Madison and has a master's of OT from Queen's University. He has an intense passion for primary health care and his practice is focused on working with people to modify and adapt their daily routines, environment, and lifestyle to promote healthy independent living and prevent disease. Philip splits his time as an OT in his own private practice and with the Arthritis Society. Additionally, he serves as Ontario Board of Director for the Canadian Association of Occupational Therapists, and he's the past president of the Society of Alberta Occupational Therapists. Philip is also a lecturer and instructor with Queen's Occupational Therapy Program in Kingston, Ontario. So we're super lucky to have Philip here with us today, and let's jump right into it. You're starting a new role or starting out as a new clinician. What are some of the things that you would do first off to set yourself up for success? Oh my gosh, it took me took me a while to get comfortable with things. So I guess the first thing is, is like, don't freak out. Uh, it, it takes it takes a while. <laughs> there there is a lot of adjustment of like, oh my god, am I doing this right? Did I do this like? Um, but don't, don't freak know. out. Yeah, yeah. Like don't yeah. don't freak out. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be okay. I mean, a, a lot of other professions uh, have way more time than than we do to like sort of do the feel like the actual practice part like you, you know residents four years of residency after you know after you've done all your schoolwork and where you're like kind of watched and monitored and, you know and then if you're like a psychologist you know you've got at least at least a year where someone's like watching you behind a two-way mirror commenting on everything you do and it, we don't really I mean we have our field work but yeah we don't really have that so we, there is this like I don't know, tumultuous period where we're like, oh my God, did I do that right? Did I, what did I do? So yeah, that kind of happens. It's just part of, part of the, part of it. Um, but it does get better. Get better. Yeah. And I think those questions are so important. If you're asking those questions, then you're thinking about the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah. are in your first, first year and you're like, oh my God, this is really easy. I totally know everything. <laughs> I, I would be much more concerned if I, if I was a supervisor. Right. You're, <laughs> you're like, like a little bit, mm, like, there's you nothing. get all this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, feeling a little bit concerned and, over, and analytical, being like, am I getting this? Am I doing this right? That's really good. You should be you're right on track to be asking those yeah. questions. What am I missing? Um, that's that's yeah. the question. So the thing is to really find that sort of a button-down, step-by-step kind of approach to things, like, uh, a progressive goal attainment program. That's something that I've, what I've started doing with my return to work people. You know, it's it's a very you know a very structured ten-week uh, CBT and behavioral therapy sort of approach to return to work, and it, yeah. you know it just sort of outlines you know step one on week one you're going to do this, and on week two you're going to do this, and on week three you're going to do this, and you know it's structured that you have a lot of freedom about you know as long as you cover these topics. You're gonna you can kind of fit, like fill in the meaningful pieces that each person has within those topics, but you're gonna cover you know this 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 and this and it, and it, so you feel it it kind of gives you a like a skeleton to work around and then you can flush out flush out yeah yeah and like yeah. And you can feel really confident that you've uh, okay I did what I was supposed to in week the week two session. Because it says so right there on the paper, mm-hmm. the, on the little cheat sheet that I have of these are the things I need to finish in week two. And I, okay, whew, got it. Nailed it. <laughs> Even if you're still kind of worried about like, well, did I really, did I get that 
behavioral change that I was looking for? Did I, maybe I could have asked this question. I could like that. That's that's fine. But you can still feel confident of like, okay, well, I, I covered what needs to be covered in this, you know, and then, and then then the other stuff it starts to fill in, and you start to figure that out. But like, but you feel, but you feel confident. You know, you feel like you're doing what you should. I think uh, you know, and other examples of those kinds of things would be like, uh, like if you're doing a lot of physical things. You could, you know, if you're looking at, like, say, like a functional capacity evaluation, pick a method uh, like the Matheson approach and go get trained with the Matheson people. Um, by the way, I'm going to get you know, trained, I think, is really helpful, too, because then that's something yeah. you can kind of put in your OT identity is, oh, I'm the OT who knows how to do this, that and the other thing because I have yes. the extra training. And that's something to fall back on, too, I think. Which is yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like I have these extra things that I kind of know I've done and everything. I should mention I make no money from any of these people or <laughs> like the, the Matheson or the VCAP or the whatever. These are just ones that, from my previous clinical experience. But um, yeah, so, you know, you get, get trained in one, one of these systems like that because uh, it, it gives you some, a starting point to, to work off of it and then you kind of feel confident. Um, because eventually that's like the, the big piece that, that really yeah. is that you, you just kind of feel confident about and, and that because that shows holy cow does that that shows and it's 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 a hard one to fake <laughs> that confidence um yeah but uh, yeah um but but so even you know i find if you have that skeletal structure that like well the matheson book says i'm supposed to do it this way on the step one okay i've done that you, you can be confident you did step one of the, that approach there's a um, checklist you can just cross off and yeah. the more meaningful you make it the better but if yeah. all you do is check it off, then you know, hey, I, I gave them something. I did something in this. Yeah, yeah, session. exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, the and, and then that... I found with that is if a group has been run in your organization or in your practice, you can take group notes and do them one-on-one. -on -one. Then you know, again, those topics, that skeleton. So if there isn't a standardized assessment or you don't have the cash because you're a new grad to go to these standardized <laughs> seminars or conferences, then there are some workarounds at little pieces mm -hmm. um, to kind of make do in between. Or if you're waiting because your conference is starting, you know, six months from now, what can you do in the meantime? Mm -hmm. Group, any kind of group seminar protocols are helpful for that as well. Oh, but I want to yeah, get back absolutely. into that confidence. You had mentioned that there are some lines that you like to use to help you feel confident if you don't know what's happening or if something doesn't go your way. And there's also some lines that you make sure you don't use <laughs> can you elaborate on those a little bit there's certain lines that you can that, that come out that uh, um but it's, it's also just sort of uh structuring things so that in spots that if you're not sure what's going on you can very confidently uh get yourself out of that situation really quickly and then go figure out what you should be doing uh, so for example i, I think when I was starting doing so, like, clinics and it was uh, where it was in a new area and I really wasn't sure what I was doing, and I was supposed to be the more, you know, the specialist and all this stuff. And I, mean, I, I guess I, I wasn't. I don't think any of our part. listeners have had that experience before, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go, go, go with me on this. One. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> imagine, imagine this, this maybe might be one day. Um, a hypothetical but, uh, situation. <laughs> yeah, I found it really useful to like, and it, I was thinking about when I would go to see like the family health team doctor and you have like the resident who goes and what's going on and what's your problem and oh, okay yeah right. and they're just diligently writing everything down and they're right and then they might you know poke the spot that hurts or maybe they'll stick their tongue depressor and then they like leave <laughs> for and then you know for like five minutes or ten minutes and, and you totally know that they're looking up like like in their forget physician's desk desk reference of like 
this is how much medication they're supposed to be taking if they weigh this much, or did make sure to check for this, or maybe you know could be that, or what about the interaction? You know, there are you know there's all sorts of like reference things, <laughs> and that's yeah. So that, that sort of tips and tricks like that of like you know just sort of checking checking stuff out and building those into your routine uh, is yeah. really handy. Um, so if I'm in the clinic and I was, you know, I didn't know what I was doing at the first bit, I would kind of schedule it in a way that um, I would go in and meet with the person and, and just say, hi, so I'm so and so, what's, what's, tell me a little bit about your problems and everything. And they might say, you know, yeah, I've got uh, AS, you know, well, I, I know that it's just now ankylosing spondylitis and all about it. But the first time they might say that to me, I might, might be thinking, oh my God, what is AS? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> What am I supposed to do? And they're throwing it off their like cuff, like it's everyone should know it's common sense. And you're like, I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. 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 And if you don't, and if you like, huh, what? I don't you know. You've just kind of like, that's that's a potentially shot the therapeutic relationship in terms of, you, you've definitely ID'd yourself the person who doesn't know too much at this point, um, which isn't good for uh, like building trust and rapport and all that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, that doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really. I mean, you need to know about ankylosing spondylitis if that's their issue, but but you really you, you are the expert in ADLs and IEDLs and stuff like that, like which you may know totally really well, but you just shot it when trust and rapport when you're like, what's AS? Even though that like that's not the focus, like you don't really you know what I mean? Like that's not really the yeah. focus of why you're there. When you don't have know. the confidence yeah. to be able to explain that I don't need that because I'm actually the expert in all this stuff, and that just adds to my you know yeah it's like clue. yeah I don't, I don't, yeah, but as really, a new grad, you don't have that confidence, and you can't shake off that question. Like, right? Oh, yeah, oh no, I should know what that is. Oops, totally, just a different acronym or something. But yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, because in reality, you might be thinking, well, it doesn't really matter if it's AS or if it's like a hip hip. Like, I need to show you how to put on socks because, like, in, in either case, you can't bend down to put shoes on. <laughs> yeah, functionally, <laughs> that, it's the same difference. Yeah, this is why I'm here because you have a problem putting on shoes and pants. <laughs> like, I don't really, you know, but. Yeah, maybe that's your inside of the place. But, um, <laughs> that's your confidence. Just know your task. Yeah. But I don't care what you have. <laughs> All I know is that you can't put on your socks. That's why I'm here. <laughs> um, but uh, no, but uh, so anyways, I was sort of going back to structuring things in a way that makes, give you, builds rapport and confidence. It's like mm -hmm. you go in and uh, it's sort of stuff so that I, you, I go in and I say, oh, hi, I'm, I'm Philip and here with the occupational therapist, blah, blah, blah. And so tell me what's going on. Why, why are you here? And, um, it's, uh, and then, so then they go through and they say, well, I've got ankylosis spondylitis and I've been taking uh, Humire, blah, 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 and I've been doing this and that for the, and uh, my uh, sed rate is this, and you know, maybe throw it, they may be throwing out all these terms that they've been living with for 15, 30, 20, 30 years that you don't know. Um, but you just write it down diligently. And then, uh, and then you know, and then I would, you know, I'd say, okay, well, it sounds good. Uh, so what wanted, and I probably will have queued this up with them too, saying I've got some paperwork for you to do. And then so that, then I'll usually bring out and say, okay, so some paperwork here for you to fill out. So I'm just going to go, uh, you know, excuse myself for a little bit here while you fill out this, this paperwork and I might give them the health assessment questionnaire or some standardized form that uh, is part that I, that will go through their ADLs or go through a few things that, that I need to know. And it's just sort of standardized, you know, it's uh, something that you're going to ask anyway. Yeah, and so now yeah. it gives them a chance to fill it out, for them to fill it out. Consent form or disclosure or photos or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you could basically say, okay, great, sounds good. So this is what we'll probably be looking at doing today. And here's, so I just need you to review this consent, consent form uh, and sign this out and I'll be back in uh, a minute or two. And that's really good. You like sort of taking down your basic intake information and they may have told you a bunch of stuff that you have no idea what it is. Now you have two minutes of them not looking at you where you can like, 
go quickly and look this stuff up. Actually, I've got, I've been bought. Oh, I guess I guess we're we're in a podcast format, so I, I can't really. But uh, you you can see on the video <laughs> what I'm showing Jen here is 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 my my book. But like if I if I'm doing a rheumatological, if I'm at a rheumatology clinic, I've just got this, which is my pocket rheumatologia guide. <laughs> and so, and so <laughs> I remember having one something like that, like, like you know, you know, like uh, OT uh, summary skills or something like that. And so then you can really quickly look up exactly what that is, and you, it's like a two-pager of like, that's what it is, and that's probably what you want to do. Anyways, you look at that really, really quickly in the hall while <laughs> they are filling out their consent form or filling out their health assessment questionnaire or whatever like that come in and then figure out what the heck you know and then okay so the, i guess i'm they've got ankylosing spondylitis i'm probably going to want to assess this you know some you know spine spinal movements and some basic like lower extremity dressing types of things because these are the kinds of things that are difficult uh, i'm probably going to want to talk about some basic movement and some general stretches or you know some pacing and not not overdoing it from you know if they're if they're in a flare-up uh it, but you've kind of got that because you got you know, like your primer because you got some great resources that you've you've sort of stocked yourself with and it's stuff you already know it's just in that moment it's also yeah. a minute to like regulate yourself right because you're like oh i just met this guy and this is really overwhelming or oh he has the same voice as my cousin that throws me off. If it if there's some characteristic that reminds oh, me of yeah, a family yeah. member or a close friend, sometimes yeah. I need that break just so I can go. Oh, okay, no, it's not my cousin. It's somebody else. It's okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's those yeah. things like that, right? Where they say, yeah, you know, they say something or do, and you're like, you just miss like two or yeah. three seconds. Yeah, taking that that minute to wrap your head around either a new concept or an old concept that you haven't looked at in a long time, or just regulating yourself because yeah. you had something some sort of personal response because we're human too right like things happen yeah, to right, us. Totally. so yeah, i love yeah. that strategic way to break things up that you can always yeah. go back to and you know you have a break coming whether you yeah. need it or not. sometimes yeah. it's really easy and conversation flows and you're like oh i got all the information i need i know exactly what i'm doing with them but it doesn't always happen like that <laughs> The other thought that's a really good one for that is then like, so, you know, you've, you've gone in and you just like the initial intake and you figured all of you've, you've told you a bunch of stuff, some of it which you know, and some of it which you've never heard that acronym in your life and you go look it up. You, well, and then you, then you come back, do your assessment, kind of give your pieces of what you kind of think maybe we should do. Um, and then you got another break point because always, always keep all your handouts and your files, like all your stuff that you might give them near the photocopier or away. Like I, I used to do a really good job of like, I'd have my little binder and have all my handouts in it, which is a problem because then you like you just have to give it to them right away. But if you have if, if they're outside of the room, then you gotta go outside again, which gives you a natural break point. <laughs> right. Then you can, then you and just a movement say, break. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Because yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you've got that person with ankylosing spondylitis, and you just uh, you 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 now know what it is because you look you read it, looked it up pretty real quickly, <laughs> and you know what you are because you know because you look that up really quickly too. And you've assessed them now, and you've sort of seen bending the hips and trying to address themselves and lower extremity stuff. And you, you kind of have a sense of kind of where you need to. You've done your assessment, but now you need to like give them something to do. But and maybe you know what that is right away, right off the bat. But if you don't, this is a great point to then go away. <laughs> you go get the handout on lower extremity dressing, or go get the handout on this, that, and the other thing, um, on you know hamstring stretches or wh whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I guess for the strategy, it is all about being prepared as much as you can as preparing isn't enough you got to make sure you have those breaks so you can actually use all those tools that you prepared 
Yeah, because yeah, because yeah. you may uh, if you don't know what you're gonna do next, that gives you another natural out to be like, oh man, what am I gonna do? Next? <laughs> and, and, and then you can go right back to that same book that you just looked at before that has like a short list of here's what it, here's what an you know, OT should do. You want to look at lower extremity dressing, and you want to look at any kind of muscle, <laughs> you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you kind of built that in as a natural break, and you very confidently say, you know, say, okay, well, sounds good. Yeah, you really have having difficulty bending at the hips there. And I, uh, so uh, I'm just going to go to get a few forms here, and then we'll talk about what we can kind of help you out with, with your uh, ADLs and IDLs, because that's the big part of why you're here. Very confident. Sounds really good. And then you can go freak out in the hallway and be like, oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, don't freak okay. out. Go to your binder. Yeah, inside of the head, freak out. Um, yeah, go to your binder and then figure, you know, figure it out at that point. So, yeah, because no, nothing will hurt the for if you're like flipping through forms and be like, oh, God, oh, no, I don't know. Uh, maybe this, uh, I don't know. Maybe that one, I, I don't know. We'll try this. We'll see if that works. I don't know. <laughs> those would be insta- those would be things to not. Uh, <laughs> don't yeah. don't say I, I don't know unless it's followed by oh I'm not sure about that. There's a few ways we can go. Let me uh, consult with yeah. some colleagues and I'll get back to you. Like that's a lot more confident than I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> or what was that again? <laughs> I give you this, but oh geez, I don't know if it's gonna work. I've really tried that one before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is gonna work, but uh, yeah, I don't think I'd be uh, following your your uh, suggestions there yeah um and i guess obviously yeah, you most well <laughs> most people know to say that i've had a few times where that, that's come up like for phrases like that a lot of people's mouths i'm like oh my god but uh yeah but even if you don't actually say say those things um y- your actions will often betray you <laughs> um yeah yeah in, in in sort of the way you're flipping through your charts in the way of, yeah so so it's nice to have break so you can like kind of recompose and just come back and be like okay so here's what we're going to do one two and three and if there's anything extra you can add that in later but these are our three main concepts like this is all you need to know right now because if we flooded people with information anyway especially on an initial like in your situation like they won't keep it all they're getting one two three from you from the doctor from the physio from the nurse from everybody so you know more mm-hmm. confident, one point, two point, the way to do it. Yep. Hey generalists, if you're like me and can't get enough OT conversation, check out otpodcast.com for a listing of occupational therapy podcasts from around the world. That's otpodcast.com. Those are awesome tips for how to survive. Now I want to talk a little bit about how to thrive. And I think for us, another step would be getting connected to other OTs, whether that's through governments on the federal level, provincial level. But I know you're really active and involved in this area. So I'd love if you could share with Mm. us just kind of how do you get connected? Sure. Yeah, it's it's a good question. First off, you have to be just an amazing total geek about policy and governance. (laughs) That, That helps. That really helps. Yeah, it's... This is one of those things, especially if you're new, it's one of the, it's, uh, the initial thing about, well, I guess I'll join my provincial association or the national association is like, well, I guess I have to because I need insurance. <laughs> and like, because this I have regulatory thing. Yeah, yeah, they, I got, they, they got this test and I got to, I have to take it. <laughs> and my regulatory college says I need insurance and they've got cheap insurance, so I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, and that's. Are you reading our listeners' minds? No. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it's um, 
it's such a it's such a cool opportunity to to get to get involved because um it's it's all the there's there's so many fun amazing things that are going on in ot and this is it's it's not just it's a it's a small community so so if you start getting involved in a professional association you, you really get to put your mark on where the profession's going uh, next with with things that you know because you know I, i'm thinking about my own my own starting with this but uh, yeah, you know you sure. can, i mean you, you get to be the one who you know you might it might be starting out really small like you're on a you know a, an advocacy and an advertising committee and, and you, but you get to be the one who like made made the flyer or wrote that little intro paragraph to the ot month across all of uh alberta or something like that and you can be like hey i, I wrote that, that that's that's that, that little thing that we're set up in the kiosks at all the hospitals that was, I, I made the text for that, you know, and it's just, you know, that's, that's kind of cool. Like you get to be the one who, you put your stamp on that, you know, and, and then it starts to work, it sort of works way up and, you know, we can sort of be the ones that you can be the one who starts deciding, well, should we be doing, putting more resources here in primary care or should we be putting them more in acute care? Yeah, to be, you know, as you work your way up, you get to start making uh, decisions about these things and it's really cool. You can sort of yeah. you put your put your mark on these things, like what's the importance of OT and in, in driving assessments? Do How much time do we want to put onto that? Is that something we should do? Or is there a way to fit OT and driving in a more... Uh, frontline uh, primary care way and like things like uh, doing uh, like an ergonomic car you know car fit assessment and maybe we could bring that to Canada and you know, get people doing ergonomic car car assessments and yeah make these decisions and because we're not yeah. short on ideas I don't think it's just having the manpower to pick and choose and focus on yeah. which idea we actually can get after yeah um, I want to bug you a little bit about um, your experience with push to primary care i heard it started out pretty small <laughs> oh yeah um well I mean, it's it's sort of making its way across all you know various provinces at various levels and various things and whatnot and so that was that was one of win. those Woo <laughs> yeah it is yeah. it is actually yeah one of my colleagues just got uh, right up in cbc a uh, uh, sh shout out to uh, lisa diamond burchuk if, she, hey. if she's listening um but uh yeah because manitoba just in the not too distant uh, past, they just got uh, OTs approved for family health teams, and um, so she's been leading the push there. She's the CAOT director for uh, Manitoba, and uh, been doing some amazing work. So, so I'm I'm currently in um, Ontario now, but uh, yeah, in terms of like getting to be the person that so you, you put your little mark on some of these things, it's just I remember like this was like 10 or 11 years ago now when there like this was just like a pipe dream of like oh we really want to get ot's in primary care but but there's such a push so we had we need a whole office staff and this was at the, we did mostly at the provincial level at this point like people to lobby and meet with meet with uh, members of governance and, and, and government and whatnot and sort of talk about what it might look like and have some structures and so at least my little piece on that was helping out and it was myself and Catherine donnelly is another, another uh, queen's professor we we were we met one of the little coffee shops down on Princess Street, and basically our sort of piece on that uh, was we needed to put together a, a document that would sort of highlight here. Here's all the here's like five different scenarios that an OT might see someone in a primary health team, and this is what they might do, and this is and so so yeah, we just sort of like spitballed some ideas and threw it down. You know, came came, came out with this I don't know, four page document, something like that. I'm not sure if it's still up on the OSAT website or not, but um, uh, I, I do remember when I was teaching at Queens that it was that was that was my first experience of having stuff um, referenced back when I would have an assignment and people would reference and that was my people would reference that document and I was like, hey, what is wow. that? Does that actually I work? Would, 
I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know that they know that, but there you go. There. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the flattery. Thanks. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So you, it started that, with meeting for coffee and then now it's changed into a movement where it's not only in Ontario, but in Manitoba and pushing its way in lots of areas because of yeah. work, right? Like, and yeah, exactly. It wasn't like you two were the first to think, oh, OT should go in primary care. Like, I'm sure that was a buzz oh, between yeah, yeah, this is, groups, yeah, but this it's just sort of putting it down on yeah, this Is like, that um, the start? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I mean, yeah, this is this was part of a wave, the whole sort of a wave that was happening. So, yeah, I don't want to say that we sat down and <laughs> wrote this one thing. And the next thing you know, the whole, yeah, <laughs> there's a whole lot. Yeah, there's a whole lot of people all working in a concerted way together and all pushing in the right direction. And if anything, that's why you really want to get involved with the associations, both provincially and federally, because you need organization at that level to be to sort of figure that stuff out do you need a whole bunch of people all because uh, we're, we're ot's and we kind of like we all come up with these great ideas of like what if i did this and this and this and then we did that and then, you know we're all kind of generally a, a bit like chaotically throwing ideas all over the place um, creative right we're just really creative <laughs> creative yes creative um, but at some point, yeah, you need someone, uh, and this is where the associations come in to sort of harness that and, and, and say, okay, we're all going to push this direction with, with this and right. then sort of collect all the coffee notes and kind of put yeah. them together and then bingo, collect, collect the coffee notes and then, and then actually operationalize that into something that's going to work. Um, yeah. And that's, that's a big part of uh, having that, having that association there for you. Yeah. This is where all the advocacy piece comes in and pushing in the right directions altogether. And they have the relationship with people in governance or they know, you know, okay, this is something we got to push to this minister versus that minister versus yeah. information night. Like, yeah, because uh, yeah. that's done that before. It's probably helpful. Yeah, yeah. yeah the world of uh, governance is uh, it's like this crazy second language uh, type sort of skill process. Uh, of figuring out how it all works and, and fits together. And so so having someone who's maybe not even an OT, but just a government relations, uh, you know, policy expert, they just they just kind of know that if you want to meet with the members of uh, parliament on Parliament Hill, this is sort of the process you go through and these are the things you want to make sure that you cover and this is how it works. And then these are the things you want to ask for and, and that you wouldn't ask for it this way, you'd ask for it this way. And the ins and outs. Yeah, yeah n none of it is like, common parlance for an OT, <laughs> but um, just like, you it's don't not have a course on that one, hey? <laughs> we, you know, we used to sort of touch on this a little bit. Uh, I, one of the courses I taught at Queens is uh, a systems level communication. And I took that I, one. I, <laughs> okay, okay, I, all right, okay. There so you, you so you know this already. This is like, you're, you're good. <laughs> no, well, you, you share, have... you share with the other people that didn't get to take your class. <laughs> no, no, you had the course. You're an expert in this now, so go, go ahead. <laughs> Um, I remember we actually ran a class where we up into small groups and the board, the groups were kind of board of directors and then we sort of had like three different sort of like scenarios that they had to go through and then like um, each group had to come up with some ideas about what what uh, what might be the best way to tackle this scenario and it's something related to campus and then uh, and then we all had then they all sort of shifted their ideas and so each group took their ideas to the other group and then that group became the board of directors that had to analyze that person's idea see if it was working we all did sort of do it in our, uh, robert's rules of order and uh you know like i second this and i you know <laughs> let's let's table this item because because they because this is actually how you know meetings work is like they have this crazy rules and lingo and language and you kind of have to know the rules and the lingo and the language um otherwise yeah you're just it's you're, you're not going to get too far 
Right. But, and I think that's a message that I think a lot of us know that like you need to know the ins and outs, but that doesn't mean you have to do it by yourself. If you have that idea, go to your SAOT or your provincial level body or your national level body, depending on what you're fighting for. And there's mm-hmm. help. <laughs> you don't have to do yeah. it by yourself, right? Like get oh, that idea help. out there or support the idea if it's something meaningful to you that you know is happening. But the only way to yeah. know is if you're involved, I guess. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's like yeah, like if you've got a passionate area that you want and you're not sure where to go and how to take it, like absolutely, you know, knock on your provincial or federal person's uh, uh, door and say, yeah, I've, I'm not sure where to take this, or is, are there any other committees or groups of you know communities of practice that that I can work with on this, and I'm really interested in learning more on this. this that's very much what they're there for is to network people together and get you know for that, that uh, and for the advocacy if they've got a hot topic that you really want to push. Awesome. I think that was a great intro to why. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe we get a little bit into the how. So say I don't have a great idea. I'm not really sure, but I want to get connected so I know what's happening in the OT world. What what are some options I have about joining, whether provincial or federal level? um, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, for the for for the newer grad, I, the the bad news is, I, ideally, I, I would say you really want to get involved with both, <laughs> which which does mean a mem- which doesn't mean a membership in both, um, because they 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 kind of function hand in hand. It's it's similar to like Canadian go- governance in general, like as being a citizen, like you couldn't just be like a a citizen of Ontario and and be like, well, I'm not going to contribute to federal or i'm not going to be canadian i'm going to be uh albertan although, although i guess maybe maybe there are some people that would say that. <laughs> but, we're not getting into those kind of politics yeah it really kind of functions because they you the we mirror provincial and federal types of things and they kind of work hand in hand together so first off you you want to get involved with with both and kind of understand what both do generally the provincial things are going to be a little bit more specific and targeted towards you know policies that are happening on your front door if you want to know a permit scan of what what are therapists in alberta making that's that's the kind of question that uh, sat you know that's that's the kind of thing that they might tackle if they've got a um, survey that they've done on this kind of thing so they're very relevant immediately to the practice at a larger level you also want to have this federal piece sort of puts it all under one umbrella and puts us all together and pushes in one direction so you know you want to have the people that are advocating to the members of government at the federal level so you've got federal level ot's that are advocating saying you know what's really important is ot's are really good in this area and this area and, and so you know, we spend a lot of time sort of advocating about you know ot's and mental health and uh, home care and these kinds of things uh, and um and this, these sorts of things kind of filter their way down to when the federal government is discussing with the provincial government about what money they should get for what kind of fees and services the, the, the federal will say hey, well we're going to give you x amount of dollars for your just your health care but if you can show to us that you're going to do more in mental health and more in home care we'll give you more money for those well if you earmark we'll give you more money for that stuff and specifically which is really good for OTs because we do a lot in home care and we do a lot in mental health. Um, and so these have come from a lot of sort of discussion. You know, it's, it's not as nearly directly targeted as, you know, it's like what, what do I need to know as a practicing therapist in Kingston, Ontario, in terms of changes to regulation in, in my practice in Kingston. But but it's, it's very top level stuff that filters down so that there is even a job in home care in Kingston to even talk about um, right. comes like, a year and a half before at a meeting at Parliament Hill when, when 
you know, he's advocating saying to whatever uh, person is Kingston Thousand Islands about the importance of mental health OT and home care OT and that, you know, that kind of thing. So, so it sort of filters down. But it, it sounds like you have to be persistent and having a team around you would be so much easier than ever doing that by yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? So, like that sounds oh, like yeah. a year of work, you know, but if it's just coffee meetings with so-and-so, so you work on this document, it seems a lot more manageable than... Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you were mentioning a certain how, and I, I, I kind of got distracted about the two different levels. But um, yeah, No, I think that's like, great information, yeah. um, just to understand how, what the interplay is. Um, yeah, yeah. I think sometimes that's not always, like, it's clear in our minds, like, this is for Alberta, this is for Canada, or this is for, you know, Saskatchewan, and this is for Canada, but how important it is that they communicate to each other, I think sometimes gets lost when you're just yeah. trying to differentiate them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so thank you. So, uh, so in terms of the, the how specifically, but just how getting involved is is um, uh, it's just a matter of uh, as a, you know, it's they remember both uh, federal and provincial. It's a membership association. They want to cater to their members, and, and so it's you know, there's a lot of volunteer opportunities. There's lots whether you're in lots of communities of practice to get involved with. So, so if you've got an area of interest, you know, in pediatrics, there's community of practice uh, for you. If, if you've got an area of interest in uh, advocacy, there's going to be a, uh, there's going to be a committee and an advocacy committee to get involved with. And, and so, just just sort of get get involved. And it, it could be something as easy as meeting for coffee to write a four pager about primary health could be uh, for an OT, uh, it, it, but it could then also be meeting for two or three meetings on an ad hoc committee for getting, getting ready for OT month in uh, New Brunswick. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, standing committee, or you could be you know, board of directors. You know, it's all levels of commitment and all sorts of different areas. So, yeah. Great. So all levels of commitment, all levels of interest or all different types of interests, just, just start somewhere and you can piggyback and hop over yeah. to whatever group fits you the best at the time. Absolutely. And if, and if you're a new grad looking for experience, looks really good on a resume. <laughs> oh, there you go. Some incentive for our listeners. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, look at them on the advocacy committee for the Society of Alberta Occupational Therapists. Whoa. So, Give you a little confidence um, in your name or in your what you have to say, right? Being on those boards and making the decisions, being in the loop. It's, yeah. I'm yeah, sure that yeah. goes down into your confidence with working with a client. Too. Yeah, because it, I mean, it's that you're more than a, a nine to five type person that like you really, you know, you, you, you live OT. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and with a job like OT, it's hard not to live it outside. <laughs> oh, totally. Next, we're going to get into some hot topics, including diversity within the profession and physical activity as meaningful occupation. Initial thoughts on diversity in our profession um yeah there's not enough of it <laughs> <laughs> simple done next <laughs> bam okay there we go i don't mess around <laughs> no it's i mean it's true it's it's we're a pretty homogenous uh profession i guess the thoughts about it is you know it's you know the reasons why there's not enough diversity and why is that an issue i guess it's on on two two levels is um one is uh, it, for a profession that needs to be client-centered and um, uh, really talks about li that. yeah the lived experience of things. Um, it's really difficult when when we're so homogenous and this population that we serve is 
is is very diverse in Canada and, and our our workforce for OTs is is not as diverse. Um, it's not reflective, a, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a total it just throws up like an extra extra barrier there in terms of um like uh, just how you can relate to someone like what like what what is what's meaningful like if i was do, you know doing a, an assessment uh for like a you know a jamaican immigrant mother of five i i don't really I, I eventually, with this good, good, you know, interview skills, I'll, I'll figure out what's probably meaningful for this per, for this person. But like that, it's gonna that's like a hefty learning curve on my part because like, there's so much stuff there in terms of language and culture and just, uh, yeah. yeah, like uh, that you've got to really get up to speed on, and that's that that makes it that just throws this extra wrench in things. Um, and it's something that other, you know, if you're a, a just you know, working as a as a knee surgeon, you don't have to necessarily worry about the the, the knee. It's it's going to function in the same way, depending no matter what demographic. Um, but but we really have to understand meaning and purpose, and that's going to be that's context and culture is such a big part of that. And I know you've seen it in my in your work, and I've definitely seen it in mine. Being able to send a therapist into a home and just even speaking the same language has been so mm -hmm. powerful for certain families where they don't feel like they have to speak their second language of English and um, that maybe they're not as confident in or don't have the same, you know, vocabulary um, to explain the situation. And when things are stressful, like mm -hmm. taking away one step would be huge. Like that's what we look for as OT is how do we make this a little bit better so we can like really get after it? if we don't have as a profession that's a real disconnect for us to be able to, to work with and uh, truly understand the lived experience of of our po client population because because we we don't there's a disconnect between our demographics as a profession versus the the, the Canadian population and that that kind of is is hurts our profession i think where the profession would be if we had more voices and more attitudes and more perspectives because right now we have a lot of the similar similar stories to get to where OTs are now. Yeah, like comments, thoughts. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of the other part of uh, not you know, being a fairly homogenous uh, profession is that um, uh, everyone is kind of coming from the same background, or all kind of from the coming. So it's not surprising that we kind of are thinking in a similar terms, but. Uh, so it's, it just kind of is almost like a thought experiment of like, well, you know, what would OT look like if it was a bunch of people from uh, that another demographic? So, you know, for example, for, you can tell from, perhaps from my voice, I am a guy. Um, but uh, yeah, like what would, uh, you know, so I kind of want, you know, what would OT look like if it was just a private practice like with a bunch of guys and we were all focusing on like cars? Because if we're all like, you know, stereotypical, stereotypical males, <laughs> like guys doing like car stuff or doing, you know, but like what, what, what? what amazing car mod for a quadriplegic are we missing out on because that practice doesn't exist um because there's a bunch of like just gearheads who like to build you know like trick out cars who aren't ot's because that's because that's they never went they we didn't go that route um yeah. you know what is what is like a whole group of aboriginal ot's what what would they come up with what, what is like what is like pick your demographic what 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 would that come look like um because yeah. it, it it's for like once again I, I've been talking about knees quite a bit but like for that <laughs> knee surgery, it wouldn't matter pick your demographic like the knee the knee you know take the knee out put the new knee in and like uh, that, that's but for for something as 
buried as OT. I think it would look very, very different. And these are like all sort of missed opportunities by having a homogenous profession. Yeah, just how many blind spots are we missing because we don't understand one subset of a culture like that focuses on this and that and the other thing. And it's like, well, that's so OT and we need that in our practice. Or, you know, we're not even considering this group of people or this type of interest and definitely a limiting factor for OT to not have all the different voices represented. We're, we're kind of giving a single story of what OTs can do and what, who OTs can be. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, there's a great Muriel driver lecture. Uh, Karen, um, uh, Wally Hamill gave it, uh, she was at Prince Edward Island, uh, so that was what two years ago, 27, yeah, 2017. Yeah. So I, yeah, t- have a look, uh, t- take a look on. I'm sure that it's, I'm somewhere on, on either. On, <laughs> I'll put the link up on, on uh, the website yeah. on the Facebook page. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. probably a COTN or YouTube. Um, but anyway, she talks a lot about this, and she's in pretty blunt terms too. I think she talks about how we're, we've kind of got some. Uh, simplistic, overly uh, white suburbanite views, and <laughs> she she just we got some white like, women here. <laughs> she just kind of goes bam and <laughs> slams it down, and it was kind of fun to be in the room to hear that because you heard people the audible gasps when she said that. It was, but it was nice to have someone, uh, you know, call it. <laughs> so, well, and you look around at the national conference, and yeah, seeing a lot of the same type right. of person. Like you're making assumptions if they have the same backgrounds, but. I mean, it is a very legitimate, there's a lot of white women in, in the field. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's uh, like white, white female, 25 to 50, highly educated middle-class. Like you can go like, like so many demographics. Like, yeah. yeah, you could, you can move maybe one of those categories, but the rest of them, you got to keep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. OT. Like that's not, we, we get that difference is power and difference is the like that's why you collaborate and that's why collaboration mm-hmm. is so central to our role and to like our idea of OT, but mm-hmm. kind of not following through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then you can look at from demographics, like socioeconomic class too, status too. Like what, uh, what would we, we, t- we do a lot with, like there's a lot with uh, mental health and homelessness and what would OT and homelessness look like, but uh, what would a group of, you know, like uh, OTs that like how, how many of us have experienced living in a car and not eating for three days <laughs> then, yeah. um get a group of those people together and then give them an ot background and what would they come up with because i imagine it would be different than you know cushy my, my what, you know my background and like yeah, i like just have to make better budgets that. with like, our 50 like bucks that. we have this week like i don't think that's going to be an answer yeah yeah being that's a, kind of yeah, a being a, for a lot of clinicians right now it's like yeah. okay, we'll work on budgeting skills well I don't care how good you are at budgeting. If you don't have money to budget, it doesn't matter, right? Like, and yeah, yeah. scarcity and needs and yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you talk about like healthy lifestyle choices for like eating or food or exercise? Uh, if you've got your person who's, you know, at, at the, uh, at the shelter and they can't make those right lifestyle, those, the right food choices. Cause they don't have it. Like it's, it's, it's just a totally different structure in a yeah. system that you just, if you don't know it, you're, you have yeah, once again. We're guessing. Um, We're just guessing, yeah. right? You, you yeah. talk to enough people, you're trying to put puzzle pieces together. But yeah, that lived yeah. experience, I think OT support, like a lot of peer support movements and the power of peers working with each other. And it's like, we're missing that in our profession. Yeah, I guess that's, yeah. this goes back to, you know, our governance. So if anyone wants to start a community practice around 
diversity and next steps and how to start some affirmative action in our profession. Let's let's start the conversation, I guess. Hey. Awesome. I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. So talk to your local uh, body or uh, check out the website. I'm sure you will have some comments and discussion around that. Um, so finally, our other hot topic, <laughs> as we're running out of time here, is exercise. And you have reframed exercise not only for yourself, but for your clients. Can you share a little bit with our listeners about that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, so this sort of started when I was uh, working in uh, some of the uh, arthritis and chronic disease clinics, really being comfortable, more comfortable with exercise, because that's something that we, we we don't we sort of shy away from. We're like, ooh, I'm, an, I'm the OT. I, I help you put on your socks. I, I don't do exercise. Um, but uh, coming to the realization that uh, this that exercise, and, and I'm not talking about very specific targeted exercise. I'm talking about just basic. 30 minutes a day of moderate activity, 150 minutes a week of, of just activity. Um, this is an ADL. This type of physical activity exercise as an ADL. Um, Boom. Anyone else brain explode when he said that? The first time I heard it, I was like, wow, this is like, this is what I've been looking for. Cause I include <laughs> exercise in my practice every time. That's usually my start off when you're trying to create quality time, positive interactions. I, uh, working yeah. with families, exercise, going outside for a walk, anything like that, going to the park is step number one. So like you framing it, yeah. as ADL, it's like, yes, because that's what they were missing. Like that's, that's a human need to move. <laughs> it, it is. It's a hundred percent. Like we were like, literally, literally designed to move. Like our bodies will break down if we don't move. Yeah. And it's, it's something that uh, just like uh, any other uh, ADL, like if you're, you know, like everybody needs, you know, you have to, Dress, feed, groom, bathe. You know, these, these are just ADLs you just have to do. And the physical movement for half an hour of moderate activity a day is just like that's just what everybody needs. But then you can go so into you know specifics of like you know all the clients that we see too. There's there's not really anyone that you would say shouldn't be moving on some degree or another. Like, and right. there's so much, so much good evidence out that gold standard of you know 150 minutes a week of of activity. Depression, anxiety, Alzheimer's disease, uh, cardiac, blood pressure, um, everything. Yeah, arthritis pain, like blood sugar, diabetes. Focus, um, attention, like even yeah. those concrete ideas. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it's good for pretty well everything. In the same way that kind of like feeding or dressing or grooming is pretty well good for just basic human existence. It really hits on that same kind of level we don't really put it in our sphere because it's like oh that's that's like that's not our thing we're, we're the adl people but boy that is core to, yeah, be a, to be a healthy human mm -hmm. it's like when if some we're not prescribing medications but if we know someone's taking whatever medication they're like yeah i only get it at it like two or three times a week because i have a hard time opening the pill package we would be on that so fast. Oh, yeah, Sending totally. in a team to be like, no, oh, we have all these things. Like, let's try out three different dispensary routes. Like, how are we going to make this work? But we don't get that same red flag for exercise when we know it is yeah. such a big factor. It's just yeah. interesting how we have these, like, alert signs that I think go off in our heads saying, oh, my gosh, we need to fix this now. This is a priority. And yeah. that exercise and movement isn't one of them like not necessarily right. like regimented like we're not telling everyone to go lift weights and do like crossfit we're not, not telling people yeah, yeah. everyone needs to <laughs> do crossfit but everybody needs to move their 
bodies in whatever way they yeah. can, right? Yeah, yeah. It's all really targeted therapeutic exercise in the sense of like, uh, uh, that, you know, this is much more, no, no one to refer to your PT brethren. They're really good and they know what, they, they know what they're doing. And, or and your kinesi they, or your personal trainer, like they yeah. all have their rules. Yeah, but think of it as an ADL. Like you say, imagine, you know, if someone said they couldn't dress, like, you know, and you're doing that initial assessment, you know, and you check off dependence and dressing. Um, yeah, and if you put uh, that they are not able to physically get out and they're not able to move, this should be like a serious issue. And you just yeah. address it and say, okay, well, why can't you get out and move? Is it, you don't know what the resources are? You're not sure what's, it, what's the best exercise for your arthritic knee? Or like, what's going on here? This is an issue. And because, and, yeah, it really... It really makes a difference and it really creates a huge amount of buy-in for for clients too because this is people are this is something that they kind of are aware of and, and know then they usually want to talk to you about it too more so than maybe getting getting dressed <laughs> can you elaborate on how you've used exercise in your practice to build rapport and get your client confident in what you have to say and getting them bought into the idea of that they can change their level of pain or change their perspective right now yeah it's something where it's in terms of uh it's something that people are wanting to talk about it's kind of funny that we're as ot's we're really into like meaningful purposeful activities and stuff but we seem to have missed this one it's like the pain uh, issue. Someone, yeah yeah like yeah. when i go come into the clinics and once again i'm sticking on the knees here because i don't know it's a knee day the knee episode. But, <laughs> knee episode it goes out it goes in it keeps you up yeah, someone comes in with an acutely uh, painful arthritic knee, and they, they, you know, they watch and you see them. What's meaningful and purposeful to them is what can I do that will make my knee hurt less. <laughs> like, like that's that's meaningful and that's purposeful. Like our, our typical like o OT stuff, like oh, your knee, you're in pain. Let me tell you about a walker or a raised toilet. Yeah, yeah, we do lots of pacing with that knee. And here, let me sh I'll give you a weekly schedule, and we can write out like when you check your activity. Oh my gosh, people are so not interested in that. They Hey, generalists. I apologize for the ending to cut out like that. Um, due to some technical difficulties, there will be no rapid fire questions um, in this interview. But that is a great excuse for us to get Philip Went back in season two or three. So look forward to hearing from him, hopefully, in the future. Thank you, Philip, for being on the show and for your patience with the technical challenges. I really enjoyed our conversation and I'm grateful to have had you share your experience and knowledge with us in this episode. Again, I apologize for the poor sound quality. Uh, music in this episode is by David Hyde. I need your help to continue to bring together OT voices from across Canada. If you want to share your OT story or have ideas for future episodes or seasons, connect with me on Facebook at The Generalist Podcast or by email at thegeneralistpodcast at gmail.com. That's the generalist with a J.